Hello, I'm Pastor Phil Mentor. I'm the lead pastor of Harvest Worship Center. On behalf of myself and our congregation at Harvest Worship Center, we would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. This is a podcast of our Sunday morning celebrations that take place every week at 10.30 a.m. We would like to invite you to come and join us in person sometime. We are located at 456 4th Street in Tryon, Georgia. We now pray that you are blessed by the Word of God today. Thank you again, and we hope you will enjoy this week's message. If you would like more information about Harvest, please visit us on Facebook and Instagram or at our website at tryonhwc.com. I've just seen the reality of that great God that we serve. And there have been times the devil has fooled me into believing something was better than his presence in my life, than God's presence in my life. And I was nothing but fooled by it. Amen. I don't want to miss out on what God has. How about you? So today, uh, look at somebody to your right or to your left say, you look pretty good. Glad you're here. Amen. Glad you're here. Let's uh, look in our Bibles into Leviticus. I don't preach a whole lot of messages out of Leviticus, um, but I found a verse I really want to anchor in. And we're going to go to the New Testament today as we uh, talk about tending the fire, tending the fire. How many of you like to watch fires? Okay, anybody, you like campfires, you like fireplaces, you just like, how many finds it really relaxing, soothing to watch the flames and, and all that? Um, I like that, I, I, I love to do that, that's one of my favorite things to do when it gets cooler outside especially, is to build a fire and just kind of watch it. And how many has ever got lost in time watching the fire? Okay, and you realize, man, it is late. Uh, I've, I've sat out here a long time. Well, today, I believe that... Uh, the Lord's going to use kind of that to, to bring to our hearts and minds a thought that I want us to carry from here uh, about the fire being tended, or tended in our life, how we keep the presence of God alive and fresh in our walk, in our experience. There's so many times that we don't, you know, I, I don't know about you, anybody ever felt cold? In the, pre, in, in the you know, I'm away from the Lord, I'm not where I need to be, I, I feel cold. Um, I, th- I think of several different ways when I think of fires. I think of, you know, when you got that nice roaring blaze, I think of how hard it is sometimes to get a fire started, especially if you've got some green wood. You know, it takes a little work to get that fire going. But once it gets going, it has to be tended. It has to be uh, sometimes stirred a little bit, and it has to be uh, more fuel added to that fire. you got to bring more wood to that fire to get that fire going. So, uh, again, I think of those different things, and I think of um, times when that fire can look like it's gone out completely, and you just stir around, you might find an ember or two glowing in that fire, and it just takes a little bit of attention to get a fire going again. Um, maybe that that's how we are, some of us today. We, some of us, we feel like we're on fire for God, and we've got a great blaze going. Some of us, we feel like uh, maybe our, our our fire has died down a little bit; it's grown cold. And maybe some of us, we're sitting here today, and we feel like our fires went out; that we are just totally uh, cold towards the Lord. We don't feel anything today. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. So, Leviticus six, verse eight. I want to begin reading. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the on the hearth of the altar all night until the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. 
And the priest shall put on, the, on his linen garment and put his linen undergarment on his body, and he shall take up the ashes to which the fire has reduced the burnt offering on the altar and put them uh, uh, beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garment and put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not go out. I want you to focus on that. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and he shall, uh, he shall arrange the burnt offerings on it, and shall burn on, on it the fat of the peace offerings. Fire, verse 13, fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. Okay, now today we are not in a sacrificial system. We don't sacrifice animals to the, to, to the Lord anymore. That was done in Judaism. Now we give what? Romans tells us that I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's the reasonable thing to do to give everything you have to this God that has given everything to you. So the altar no longer is that altar of stone. That altar is the altar of our life. Lives, the altar of our hearts. And today I want to talk to you about how is the condition of the fire in your life. In other words, where is your relationship with God? Is it on fire? Is it kind of, uh, you know, burning slow but needs some fuel? Or has it went, you know, to embers? Or is it completely out? Is it completely, you know, gone cold and, it, and you need something to spark it again? You need something to bring to life the Spirit of God in your life. In other words, we have the human heart on, of, of, uh, that is our altar on which burns the fire fire of God, kindled by the grace of God. Uh, on this altar rests our deepest allegiance to our, God, our lives, surrendered to God, totally given to his presence. There is a passage from this, uh, from this uh, chapter uh, in Leviticus which gives us this description that we just read about what the priest went through. But guess what? The priests were commanded to never let the fire go out. There's a reason they were commanded to never let the fire go out, because the fire was not a man-made fire. The fire was sent from heaven. And when the fire was sent from heaven, they were to preserve that fire. Amen? And they were to keep that fire that came from God. Because the genuine fire of God, the genuine move of God's presence in your life will not come through a false source. It can only come through the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? And so God is wanting you and I to walk with the genuine fire of His Spirit. But guess what? It's up to us to help maintain that fire. These priests had many tasks, but among them stood one supreme duty, the fire on the altar, the eternal flame on which the sacrifices <coughs> were offered to God was to be tended with care. They could let other duties slide, but they did not allow this, to, this fire to go out. <coughs> it had to be dealt with constantly. It had to be tended to constantly because the Lord commanded three different times, let the fire continually burn. Don't let it go out. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the fire on the altar was to be kept burning because it was a visible symbol of God's presence among the people. And God was all about showing his presence among the children of Israel. Guess what? He's about, uh, all about showing his presence among you and me today. That the visible fire of God. All of us have been around those type of people who have such a fire in their life and a relationship with God that it excites us. Anybody in the room? And he's ever had a conversation with somebody 
and, and all of a sudden you felt something in your life burning and something in your life, thank you, going a, a, a lot stronger because of that conversation. God is ready for you and I to experience his fire like never before. And I wanted to, to, to kind of bring that into to our minds as we go through this this morning. In other words, there were, there's a lot of things that you can kind of let slide at times in your relationship with God. There's some things I can let slide, not all the time, but I'm going to tell you, the fire of God in me, I cannot allow to go out. I cannot allow it to grow cold. When I do, that's when trouble comes my way. That's when I begin. In other words, a great illustration of this that I know. How many of you have ever been in a place, and I'm not looking for hands to raise in this building, but you've ever been in a place where a crisis hits your life and you are in need of a prayer, but you felt like, I'm really not in a condition to get a prayer through. I need somebody I know can get a prayer through, and I don't trust my prayers, so I'm going to call somebody with some gray hair. Come on. I'm going to get a hold of somebody I know that can get a prayer through for me. My mother, my father, my grandparents, my uncle, my aunt, whoever that spiritual patriarch in your life is, you're going to call them and you're going to say, you know what, I know, I need to make sure, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ensure that my prayer gets through because I'm going to call somebody holy, a lot holier than I am. Come on. We've all been, I've been in that place, and, and I, 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 I know there's been times when Tina's walked through some things, or we've walked through things as a family, and, and uh, you know, uh, we uh, pray for it in our, our time together, and we say, God, we want you to do something about it, and then Tina will look at me after we get through praying and say, call your parents. Call my mom. Let's call some people. Let's get some other people praying. Why? Because it's, you know we want we want that extra prayer. I don't know about you, but if you don't know, have anybody else to pray for, you can just pray for me. How about that? How many feels that way? If you run out of things to pray, just remember me. You can pray for me because you can never pray for somebody. You know, I want all the prayer I can get. But there have been times in my life when I've said, you know what? I need some extra. I need some prayer warriors. I need somebody I know has a connection with God. What am I saying? I want somebody I know that has a fire in their life. I want somebody I know that has a true relationship with God burning and it's not went out, it's not grown cold. I need them to get a hold of God for me because I know they're connected. Amen? And so there are those times in our life. The fire of the altar was kept burning because it was a symbol of God's presence among the children of Israel. The sacred fire where God's people offered their gifts of sacrifice to the Lord. In other words, guess what? It is in that altar of our heart where we do business with God. It is, when, it, it, it is in that altar of your spirit. It is when God began to convict you of your sins. How many ever heard this from the beginning? You need Jesus in your heart. Amen? Well, what is the heart? In the Jewish culture, the heart was the center or the well-soul of every thought, every contention, everything. In other words, in us, God is saying, I want the altar to be here, and this is where I'm going to do business with you, Phil. And if the fire has went out, I can't do the business I need to do till it gets restarted. Amen? The fire of God. So let's go a little bit further. Um, I had, a, I had a college professor who told us uh, not to try to write down everything. Anybody that's been in college, you, you're sitting there and they're lecturing and, and uh, you know, one of, the, one of our professors, I remember it was Old Testament survey. He said, uh, no, it was Old Testament survey. It was, it was uh, major prophets. He said, don't try to write down everything. Don't try to write down everything that I lecture. Um, you don't need to write down everything, just what's important. And I'll never forget one of my classmates raised their hand and said, okay, well, what's important? He said, anything I repeat, anything I repeat. So if you hear me repeat it, you better write it down. 
Okay? If I just casually say it and move on, don't worry about it. But if I repeat it, three times God repeats to the priest, don't let the fire go out. Don't let the fire go out. Don't let the fire go out. This took some effort on their part. Why? Because anybody ever been over into Israel, into those areas? There's not a whole lot of wood there. So they had to make extra effort to bring enough wood that they never ran out of fuel for the fire. Are you getting what I'm saying today? Sometimes we don't make the effort it takes to maintain the fire of God in our life and we don't bring enough wood so that we can feed the fire of God in our life. We don't have healthy relationships. Do you realize that's wood for your fire? If you don't have those healthy relationships, you need some healthy relationships with some godly people in your life that can fill you and bring fuel to your fire and you can help bring fuel to theirs. Amen. And, and another way is through our prayer and our, our, our devotion to the Lord and, and, and having our time with God. Amen. Not just in church. And Look, if I was to build a fire outside, of course, we wouldn't want to do it in here. But I built a fire uh, this morning and we all gathered around the fire and I said, look at the beautiful fire I built. And I said, now next week you guys come back and we'll all warm by the same fire But no one put any wood on the fire that week. No one tended that fire that week. What would we find a week later? Nothing but a pile of cold ash. I'm here to tell you, you can't maintain the fire of God with a one Sunday morning event or a Wednesday, when we get to start those back, by the way, we're hoping in July, Wednesday event or a youth service. You can't expect to get all you need from God from those little short fueling sessions and allow God's Spirit to maintain a fire that is blazing in your life. you got to learn to tend the fire in your life. And by the way, it doesn't matter how young you are in this room. You've got to learn to tend the fire in your life. And we are far removed from those ancient days, amen, and those customs. We don't worship with burnt offerings anymore. We maintain the eternal flame in our hearts, amen, and in our lives. But there's a sense which challenges us that the altar of the Lord, in that place of, uh, where God's Spirit burns in our life, has to be uh, tended to. It has to be taken care of. For the Christian, the inner flame of devotion to God, which represents their consecrated life to God and their service to God, it it all reflects through that relationship or where we're at. And by the way, we can fool other people that the fire's there, but you and I know personally where we're at today. We know where we're at today. That inner fire devotion must burn brightly in our outer life. Come on. In other words, we can't be undercover Christians. We got to be what we are. In, In other words, if I can worship God in here, I should be able to worship God anywhere. Amen? I should be very, very outgoing with my relationship with God. Whatever else the person may choose to do or not to do, the sacred fire of the altar in our human heart must be tended and keep burning. It cannot, we can't afford church for it to go out. John the Baptist said in uh, Matthew 3.11, I baptize you with water of repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You see, a Eventually, that fire that God sent in the wilderness that was maintained in the, in the, whole, uh, in the temple, it went out. And in the tabernacle and eventually the temple, it went out the, the, uh, through whatever means. It went out. It was never relit. And so the Bible says they even mimicked it by burning incense and, and, and mimicking the presence of God because they had lost something with him. And I want you to understand something this morning. We can't afford for the fire to go out because the fire comes from God. And 
Jesus used this great old prophet by the name of John the Baptist who it was said by Jesus that there was none born of, of a woman greater than him. Amen. John the Baptist was a mighty man of God. He says, I baptized you with water for repentance, but there's one coming after me that will finally bring back the fire. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's one that is going to bring back fire to your life, power to your life, the presence of God to your life. Amen. Jesus said in Luke 12, 49, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it all were already were kindled. He's saying, I, I've come to this earth to cast fire. In other words, I've heard people say, yeah, rain down fire of judgment. That's not what he's talking about here. That's not the context of this. He's saying, I came that the fire of the Spirit can be brought to you. Again, there's one coming after me that will not baptize you with water. It will baptize you, one translation says, with the Holy Ghost and fire. The presence of the Lord, the, the Spirit of the Lord. There's that, that, that same metaphor of fire used again, saying, I want God to be alive in your life. I want him to be a, a real in your life, not just something you feel at church, not just something you feel during a special song. Or, or you know, oh man, the praise team did the song I really like this week, so I feel the fire. That's great, but I'm here to tell you, if you're really going to walk with God, you've got to learn to tend the fire outside of these rooms, outside of this place, and you've got to do it in your own personal life. Amen. Amen. The significance of all of this is that Christians are supposed to be, the, be on fire, burning with enthusiasm, ablaze uh, with the Lord, vital, uh, with vitality, amen? How many of you love to be around a defeated Christian? Come on. You walk around somebody all the time, they got their head down, what's going on? I'm rejoicing. What's it look like? Why are you so happy, Phil? I'm going to heaven. Just wish I'd hurry up and get there. Who wants to be around somebody like that? Now, I'm not talking about some fakeness. I'm not talking about some put-on joy. I'm talking about something genuine that comes from being in the presence of God. You can't fake being in the presence of God. You can't fake the anointing of the Lord. When you're alone with God, you will know when that person has been alone with God. When you have been in the presence of the Lord, you will know you've been in the presence of the Lord. I'm here to tell you, I serve a God that is still the God of fire. Now, there are some things that can hinder that fire, and I want to talk to you about three different areas that can put, us, put, put a damper on our, on our fire for God. The significance of all this, by the way, um, do you realize heaven has a rhythm? Heaven has a rhythm. Anybody ever walked in the rhythm of heaven? Yes, you have. If you've walked with God, you've, in other words, you, you feel like you're close to the Lord. Things are kind of falling into place. You know, relationships are where they need to be. You, you, you feel good. Uh, you know, you wake up in the morning. Yeah, there's bad stuff in the world, but God is in control. And you just got this insight and this understanding. That's because you're walking in the rhythm of heaven. But when you're ever out of rhythm with heaven, things are bad. Things are not looking too good. You, re you watch the news, and, and, and guess what? The world's not going to survive what's going on. I got news for you. It's going to survive what's going on because I believe love wins. Amen? In the end, the love of God is going to show itself in, in this world like never before. Sometimes you got to see, see a lot of darkness before you can really see the light, and I believe the light's about to show up. Amen? And I believe it's going to be through the body of Christ being on fire. 
Do you realize that rhythm of the Spirit is something that all of us need to walk in? In other words, we need to hear Him and be in step, be in step with Him. Um, I was never in marching band, but I know people who were in marching band, and, and, and they have to walk in step. That's part of the thing they have to do. They have to learn to march together. And, and when they go to competitions, they're judged by how well they are in sync with one another. I've got news for you. I want to be in sync, not with you, but with God. How about that? I want to hear the voice of heaven daily in my life. I want the fire of the Spirit to be real in my life, and I want to walk in sync with the Holy Spirit. When I walk in sync with the Holy Spirit, I have no problem following him the way I ought to. Amen. How many of you have ever played this game? You feel like you need to do something, and you're sitting there debating whether you should do it or not, and it's a good thing. Okay, I'm not talking about a major life decision. It's like, you know, pick up the phone and call so-and-so and let them know you love them. Tell them you're praying for them. Well, well, I don't know, Lord, is that you? Well, it's not the devil. He's not going to tell you to encourage somebody. He's not going to tell you to do something good. Well, why don't you go over and work in the homeless shelter and bless somebody? I don't know. That might be Satan. I worry about people sometimes. I really do. Look, if it's good, I doubt that the, that the devil has anything to, good, to do with telling you to do something good or to bless somebody's heart. But how many of you have ever had one of those days and somebody, get, you get a text or you get a phone call or you get a card or you get some kind of encouragement, you run into them and all of a sudden you, your day don't seem so bad because guess what? That is the Spirit of God using them to touch you. Amen. When, when you, you, know, you get that text from somebody that says, hey, I love you, I'm praying for you today. You know what? They, God may be using that person, but that's like Jesus saying that right to you. Amen? He's using that person to be a vehicle of his love and to try to encourage you to have that fire burning. But guess what? There will always be wet blankets in this world. And the wettest of all blankets is the blanket of religion. It will put your fire out faster than anything in this world to be trapped in the performance mentality. I've got to dance, uh, and I've got to do it this way and do it this way and check off all the lists. I've got news for you. Our God didn't come to enforce a bunch of rules on you, though I believe the rules are good. Don't get me wrong. Don't go out here saying, "Woo, I can do whatever I want. Pastor said I'm good. No, I didn't. I believe we've got to walk in a better way, amen? If I, and why would I want to go different? How many of you have ever walked in sin and all you found was hurt? Amen? I'm going to tell you right now, now I'm against those who get up and tell you, oh, there's no fun in sin. No, there's fun in sin. The Bible even says so. It says there is pleasure in sin for a season. But like all seasons, it will change, it will come to an end, and there will be a payday, amen? Anybody realize there's a payday at the end? And then sometimes it's not pleasant, for what we sow, we reap, and there's a payday. In other words, we got to be careful of the wet blanket of religion. Okay, here we go. Three things. One danger to our inner fire is exhaustion. Anybody ever said, I'm just exhausted? All right, but you realize no fire can burn without fuel? If it's exhausted of its fuel supplies, it, it will die. The priest in ancient Israel had to ensure, as I said, that there was a, a, a readily supply of, of wood. They needed to stockpile it. They needed to make sure it was there and that the flames would never lack fuel. So many times we starve the Spirit of God or the fire of God in our life because we don't bring wood to the fire. God is ready for you and I to learn to bring wood to the fire. I've said this many times. If you are a true believer in Christ, then there comes a point in your relationship with Christ when you have to learn to feed yourself. 
That is part of your development. That is part of growing and being a healthy believer in God. In other words, I've got a 16-year-old daughter, and if I had her, you know, if you saw us at lunch after this is over, and you saw me sitting there going, all right, Paige, open up for the choo-choo. She loves when I do that, by the way. You're welcome. Here he comes. You're going to look and go, okay, something's not right. If every time her or Peyton gets up out of a chair and I go, okay, come to daddy. You know, Peyton's almost 12. Come on, you can do it. Take your step. You can do it. You're going to wonder, there's something really off with that family. Because that kid ought to be feeding itself and that kid ought to be walking it's without... Inc- I want you to understand, do you realize sometimes as believers, if we're not careful, we'll come into church and we'll say, okay, I'm opening up for the choo-choo, pastor. I know that's hard preaching, but we need to hear something today. We went through a period of time where we couldn't come to the house of the Lord. What if that becomes permanent? We've got to grow in that fire so that we can feed ourselves. Oh, I hope we can keep gathering. I hope that, that, that people will get, that we'll just see the end of a lot of things. I want to see us get back where we were growing and as, a, as a, a forever family. But guess what? What if we find ourselves in that situation? Are we able to read the book for ourselves? Are we able to pray and, I got to get a hold of so-and-so to pray for me. And guess what? You can't. There's going to come a time in your life where you're going to have to rely on your God for yourself. And you're going to have to know the fire is there. Amen? To tend the fire. There's a story of a man who uh, was wrestling and he's dissatisfied with his job and he expressed the problem to a very wise friend and the friend said, okay, I'm going to give you an exercise. So I want everybody in this room to do this and everybody at home and we're going to exhale with social distancing so you can cover your mouth. Uh, when you exhale. But I want everybody in this room to take a deep breath. Now I want you to exhale too. You cannot exhale anymore, but do not inhale. Keep exhaling, keep exhaling. When you've got all that you can do exhaled, now exhale a little more. How about a little more? Now don't inhale, but exhale a little more. You can't do it. You can breathe now if some of you are actually doing that. Um, In other words, once you have exhausted all of the air in your lungs, you can't exhaust any more air. There has a point where you have to breathe in in order to breathe out. I believe that if we're not careful, we will exhaust all of the oxygen spiritually in our life and the fire will die from a lack of breath. But aren't you thankful that in Acts chapter 2 it describes the Holy Spirit as a mighty rushing wind and also clothing tongues of fire. I am so thankful because that Holy Spirit that we, we, we sing about and we read about in the Word and we preach about, I'm here to tell you He can breathe into you and He can cause what was dying to come to life again. Oh, that we would just inhale God this morning. Inhale His presence this morning. Amen. Without that, the fire will die. In other words, that's what many of us are doing in our lives, and that's why we feel used up, because we just keep exhaling and exhaling and exhaling and exhaling. But we never take the time to breathe. Breathe in God. Breathe in His presence. A person will drain themselves on the interior of their life, it will also affect the exterior of their life or the outside world. 
How the condition of the inward heart is, is the condition of the outward experience. And if my heart is right with God, then I get right with others. Come on. If my heart is in, in, in step with the rhythm of heaven, then I want to be in rhythm in my marriage. I want to be in rhythm with my children. I want to be in rhythm with my friendships and my relationships. I want my life to beat in the rhythm of heaven. A person drained in their body will find themselves drained spiritually. In other words, many Christians struggle against spiritual exhaustion because they think the way they maintain their relationship with God is how many jobs they have or titles they have in church. Though those things are important and are necessary, we cannot become workaholics and think that we will gain the fire that way. We cannot decide that we're going to, if, by building my spiritual resume, that's how I maintain the fire in my life. Though those things are important. Listen, uh, you can minister two ways in this world. You can minister from your essence or you can minister from your overflow. And if you minister from your essence, that's your daily bread. That's what you need to survive. And if I keep giving away what I need to survive in ministry, then before long I will die. Somebody asked me once, said, do you ever run short on material? I'll say, no, I don't run short on material because God is never run short on material and never will run short on material and as long as I trust God there's an endless supply of what I need to feed God's people but the day I depend on myself is the day I sit there and I look and go well what am I going to do what am I going to come up with this week I don't, come up, I don't have the problem of what am I going to come up this week because I have learned that it is not me that this world needs. It's Jesus in me. And the more I access this inexhaustible supply of God in my life, the more the fire of God will burn in my life. And that's not just for the preachers of this world. That's for everybody in this room and everybody watching today. God is ready to breathe in you. Isaiah, anybody ever been exhausted? Everybody say, yeah, I just need a break. I need a break. Isaiah 30, 15 says, Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. In other words, he's saying, oh, how I wanted to give you strength. Oh, how I wanted you to find, find the, the, the courage that you needed. But you, get, and the rest you needed, but you were unwilling. We have to be willing, in other words, to allow ourselves to breathe in. Second danger of losing, or I like to call it the second wet blanket in our life that can put out the fire or dampen the fire of God in our life, and, and it's a very dangerous one, is neglect. If we neglect the fire in our life, if we neglect what God is doing in our life, then you and I will find ourselves in a place where there is no presence of God the way we long for it to be. In other words, it was a constant threat to the priest and of, of ancient Israel. In other words, they, they were... There is nothing terribly exciting about watching a fire for hours. Uh, for some people, like I said, I enjoy it, but, but some people don't like it. But guess what? What if that was your job and you did it all the time? All you did is you were the stick boy, you know, for the priest. And, you know, it, you would look and fire's going out, put on a stick. You know, that's all you do all day long. Put on a stick, put on a stick, put on a stick. What if that was your job all day long? Before long, guess what? Uh, it, it, those of you that are fire watchers, do you ever find yourself dozing off? Does it make you sleepy? It gets, sometimes it gets me that place. I'm like, uh, and I look and I'm, I've dozed off and now the fire's gone out or about to go out. The stick boy or whoever it was, they could not afford for the fire to go out. So they had to constantly watch the fire and feed the fire. They had to constantly make sure there was enough wood on the fire. When people fall away from the faith, it doesn't happen in an instant. 
When people fall away from from church or they get out of sync with the rhythm of heaven, it's not all of a sudden. It doesn't just, you don't wake up one day and say, I'm done with God. No, you got there through a process of walking back and stepping away and stepping away. How many of you realize this? How easy is it to get out of the habit of church attendance? Come on, how easy is that? Nobody's raising their hand. I'll raise both of mine. Because guess what? When I went away to college for the first time in my life, I didn't have mom and dad stick their head in at 8 o'clock and say, hey, it's Sunday, get up, get ready. Final warning. You didn't want to go past that. Okay? I didn't have that. And so for the first month of, of my college experience, I attended a church called Bedside Baptist. Are you following? I slept in, for those of you that aren't tracking with me today. I slept in. I had an adult decision to make to go to church, not because I was forced to, but because I wanted to. I had a decision to make. Before long, I realized the passion I had for God was dying quick. The fire I had for God was dying quick. And if I didn't do something quick... It would be really bad. What are you saying, Pastor? Neglect will put the fire of God out. People don't fall away from the faith all at once. It doesn't happen in an instant. They don't say, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going, not going to have anything to do with God all of a sudden. I'm done with the Bible. I'm done with church. They come to that point slowly. It's, it's a neglect that takes place to the point that they don't really consciously say they're done. They just, their actions show it. Amen? Their actions show it. They're just, I'm done. The flame just simply and slowly dies. Come on. Living things, living things have to have attention. They cannot take neglect. Okay, let's say, how many of you are the angel of death for houseplants? Okay, thank you. How many of you are the angel of death for outside plants? You buy them, they're beautiful, but, you know, before long, it's like, how, why have I got tumbleweed in my front yard? It's because I never watered it. Hey, I do it all the time. Tina wants all these beautiful flowers, and she works at the hospital, so she don't think about watering them, and all of a sudden, it's like, Phil, you let my plants die. I'm like, I didn't want to buy them. Because <laughs> I knew what was going to happen. Tumbleweed. What are you saying, Pastor. Living things have to have attention. They cannot be neglected. Friendships have to have attention. They cannot be neglected. Marriages have to have attention. They cannot be neglected. And relationships with our children and our families have to have attention. They cannot be neglected. Without nourishment, they die. So goes it with the power of God in our life. If we want the Spirit and the power of God real and alive in our life, that's how it happens. People give greater attention to being in a relationship at the beginning than cultivating it once it's begun. Let's say that again. At the beginning of a relationship, all right, all you husbands look over at your wives and say, hey, baby, you remember when we first started dating? You was my everything. You still are, but, you know, I don't recognize it all the time. Okay? Neglect kills a relationship. It's the same way with God. 
1 Timothy 4, 14 says, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. He would also encourage Timothy and say, Stir up the gift that is within you. I think about fires. Again, how many of you have ever taken a poker or you've taken a stick and a fire that was going out, you stirred it around a little bit and all of a sudden it came to life. Paul is using that same analogy with, with his spiritual son, Timothy, and he's saying, Timothy, that flame will die in you unless you stir it up. How do I stir up the flame of God in my life and not neglect the fire of God in my life? Through worship. I can be a spectator or I can be a participant. Spectator, I might get a little bit out of it. Yeah, it's got a great beat. God wants you to leave here more than just saying that song had great lyrics and a great beat. He wants you to leave here knowing you've participated in not just singing words, but worshiping your God who is the giver of fire. Amen. The third thing and the last thing that I want to share with you, and that is the third wet blanket is that the inner fire can be compromised compromised when deeply held convictions are bartered away the flame of the inner devotion to God will be dampened in other words there are people who trade away the fire of God and and I find this in young people and I want to caution you I want to be accepted by a certain group of people in school or a certain group that that are you know uh, that that are popular and I know in order to do that I have to compromise certain things in my walk with God so I'll be more acceptable to them I want you to know if you're not careful you'll keep bartering away little pieces of your faith till all of a sudden the fire of God is nowhere in your consideration and you're just doing what you want to do and living for the world we cannot barter away our, our faith because before long the flame will dampen and even go out. Luke 9, 26 says this, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and in the, Father of, uh, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. In other words, Jesus was saying, Look, if you want to live for me, live for me, with, live for me out loud and, 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 and love me and not try to hide it. In other words, be what you are. And if you can worship God here, you can worship God at Walmart. If you can worship God here, you can worship God anywhere. If I can pray here, I can pray in my bedroom at home or on my ride to work. In other words, wherever I, if I can, whatever I am here, God, let me be out there with those around me that are not like you, that don't know you. Lord, let me be that. Last verse of scripture I want to share with you in closing today is simply this. Mark 8, 34 through 38 says, and, the, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what, for what can a man give in return for his soul? What will you trade the fire for? What will you give that faith and that relationship with God away for? We do it all the time if we're not careful. We do it. Some people give it away for money, stuff. I'll start working the extra shifts on Sunday because I want this. And they start giving away. I'll start, you know what? We've been, we've, we have not had this in our life. And so we are entitled to neglect church and neglect God in order to fulfill this. Be careful. Be careful that the fire doesn't go out. For what will you give in return for your soul? In other words, uh, verse 38 sums it up, says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, 
Of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Paul would write to the Romans, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed of it. It's a wet blanket. Shame was a wet blanket. If I'm ashamed of God, I'm putting a wet blanket on my relationship with God. In other words, live out loud. Does God expect everybody to be like me? Absolutely not, and I hope not. But God does expect for you to discover his fire in your life. Will you stand? I'm going to ask everyone that will to just at this moment just to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. And I want to just kind of address three areas that I feel like we need to pray about today. And as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, I want to talk to you, first of all, about the condition of your fire. If you're here this morning, you're going to fall in, in one of these three categories, I believe. Everybody in this room, you're going to hit one of these areas. And no one looking around, I want people to have privacy in this moment, just you and God. But if you're in this room and you fall in condition one, your fire is out. It's out. You, you, you don't feel the presence of God at all. It's been years or months or weeks since tears streamed down your face. You can't remember the last time you were at an altar, and I'm not just talking about in a church, I'm talking about in your bedroom or in your home somewhere, an altar. You can't remember the last time you felt the fire. You're just cold. It's out. And you're ready for God to light a flame in you this morning. I want you with no one looking around, with privacy in this room, to lift your hand and put it right back down. Will you do that? You're ready for a fire to be lit in your life. You're cold and you're ready. If that's you, just slip your hand up, put it right back down. Thank you. There's some others in this room. There's some others in this room that you're ready for the fire of God. You're ready. Just slip your hand up, put it right back down. Maybe there's somebody else in this room and you fall into the second category. The fire's not out, but it sure isn't burning. Maybe if you move the ashes around, there's a few embers there, but there's no real fire. There's no real passion in you. You, you love the Lord and you know that you're going to heaven, but you're walking, you're just existing. You don't have that abundant life that He promised. This morning, you're ready for God to breathe on those coals and add fuel to your fire and bring back the flames that has died down to embers. You're just kind of right there. You're not out, but you're close. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. Come on. Thank you. There's some others. You're close. There's others. I know there is. You're close to it going out. It ain't quite out, but, but lately you've found yourself compromising a little more than you should. Lately you've found yourself bartering. I can do this because surely God will forgive it. And I'll go ahead and do it anyway. If that's you, I'll just slip that hand up, put it right back down. There's others. There's others. There's others. Maybe you fall into this last category. That fire's burning in your life. That fire's greater. Maybe you're in the best relationship you've ever had with God. Maybe you're closer to the Lord than you've ever been before. But you realize this morning, without tending the fire, it's going to go out. Without tending the fire, I'm not going to keep that passion for God the way it is right now. And I need God's help. 
I need to tend the fire in my life. If that is you, fire's burning, but you want to protect that fire. You want to nurture that fire and you want to grow closer and you want to see a, a brighter flame in your life so that the lost world might see Jesus like never before in your life. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up and I want you to just say, that's me, Pastor. I'm ready for God to do greater things. I'm going to protect the fire in me. Now, whatever you raised your hand for, whatever you raised your hand for, I want you, if you want to come to the altar, this altar is open, but if you don't feel like coming forward, you just don't feel safe to do that right now, that's fine. If you're at home and you come into those three categories, I want you to take the hand of somebody beside you. And I want you just, if you're by yourself, you just realize you just take the hand of Jesus this morning. And I want us, as we pray today, I want you to feel the breath of the Spirit blow into that fire in your heart. Blow into that altar. If you're needing the fire started, you feel the flame of forgiveness begin to burn in you again. You feel the hope of Jesus like never before. Father, I'm ready for it. As we pray, then you just receive what God has. Father, I ask you now to come into this place. Lord, to breathe with your Holy Spirit into the hearts of each and every one. Lord, we're ready for the fire to burn again. We're ready for passion in our walk with you again. Oh, Holy Spirit, we don't want to barter. We don't want to trade off bits of our faith anymore. Lord, we don't want to cover over that flame anymore. But God, we want the Holy Spirit to bring to life the fire of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Father, set us on fire. Set us on fire. Set us on fire. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, we thank you for worshiping with us today. We would love to hear from you. If you were touched in any way by today's message, please let us know. You can find out more about us and even support our ministry with an offering at tryinghwc.com. Thank you again for listening and worshiping.